0: You know, cybersecurity is seen a- as a center. It's not seen as an enabler of the functions of the hospital. There is this mindset, you know, this is not going to happen to me. And oftentimes when something happens, that's when people realize that, okay, we need to act and think about cybersecurity, but it's too late. This is not sort of, let's just wait and see. You know, this is people's lives are at stake. We hope that the cyber incident tracer can be a tool of empowerment for individuals. Dear listeners, welcome to GDF Voices, the podcast of the
1: Geneva Hub for Global Digital Health. My name is Carolyn Perrin, and today we are going to dive into the cyber incident tracer of the Cyber Peace Institute. I have Clara Jordan with me today, who's chief public policy officer at the Cyber Peace Institute. Prior to joining the Cyber Peace Institute, Clara was the director for government affairs and public policy for the UK at BlackBerry and the Executive Director for the EU and Africa at the Global Cyber Alliance. She also served as the Director of the Cyber Statecraft Initiative at the Atlantic Council Think Tank and worked in the Policy and Privacy Division of FireEye. Her background also includes work on international law issues at the American Society of International Law and at NATO's Allied Command Transformation. Welcome, Clara, and very much looking forward to learning more about the Cyber
0: Incident Tracer today. Thank you very much, Carolyn, and uh, thank you for the invitation. I really look forward to going into the questions. So
1: as we all know, digitization offers countless opportunities for systemic change in healthcare systems in many different contexts. But just recently, the attention on digitization has not only been of the positive sort, as a cybersecurity attack on the ICRC was detected in mid-January. In this attack, the personal data that was compromised belongs to over half a million of highly vulnerable people. Such incidents really demonstrate the serious risks to the security of personal data and the protection of privacy that arise from the growing use of digital technologies in healthcare. And while I think ICRC has been very transparent about the attack and the damage of the attack, in my understanding, this transparency by an organization is not obvious. So. Is this common? Uh, I would say non-transparency. Um, what led your organization to create the cyber incidents
0: tracer, or are there other reasons? Thank you for you know thank you for that introduction. And you know I think at the institute we firmly believe that we really need the evidence-based understanding of the impact of cyber attacks. And we think understanding the impacts of attacks can help raise political and social awareness. And right now, we still do not understand what that impact of cyber attacks on individuals is. Currently, we still, when when we oftentimes read the news about cyber attacks or reporting, we talk about the impact on the target. We don't talk about the impact on the victim, which are two very different things. A hospital can be a target, can suffer operational consequences, but we don't talk about what those operational consequences may mean in, in its ability to, to provide healthcare. And I think, you know, the, the example of serious and, and absolutely reckless cyber attack on the ICRC sort of it's the first time where we need, when when I see a real narrative around victims and vulnerable individuals and the potential for re-victimization. So really, you know, the, the context you laid out is very fitting to us. So, you know, when the Institute started to about two years ago work around the healthcare sector, we said, look, let, let's really spend time to document these attacks and let's think about what these attacks mean. And... Uh, We've, we published in March 2021, Playing with Lives report, which which was the first endeavor. And as we were collecting data, we have a wonderful team of analysts in our organization. We realized that, look, we, we don't have the data on cyber attacks. We don't even know when they occur. Not all of them are reported. And we don't know what happens after the attack. So even if it's, it's you know, uh, public body notify or it's covered in a newspaper, no one is really talking about what happened after the attack. You know, maybe they said, well, you know, it costs $10 million to do remediation. But who is reporting on what happened to the victims? Who is reporting on what happened to the patient data? And our analysts realized that sometimes you have to go to hacker forums or, you know, the different forms where where hackers actually talk about oh i you know i breach this organization and i ask for this much ransom and there's the data and here am i dumping the data and we think it is absolutely critical that we base policy making on data that does not come from these forms that i mean they don't even provide a full understanding of the picture but it's been it's been completely uh, a horrendous see that we cannot understand the impact if we don't have data and we don't have data. And if we have the data, they are from the perpetrator itself. So this really, really motivated the work on a cyber incident tracer to really show the trends, to really show the evidence of. The disruption not just to say there was an attack but really evidence the disruption we think this is absolutely key in in improve the decision making the policy making the resilience measure we have to understand what is happening to to take informed policies
1: thank you now you have collected some uh, some evidence and data can you uh, give us some kind of uh, description how
0: big the issue of cyber attacks is in the field of health Absolutely. So first I will talk about uh, two very worrying trends and then I dig a bit deeper into the data uh, we have seen. So the way that trends in the threat landscape are developing, you know, ransomware, is it continues to be one of the largest issues, um, you know, for the healthcare sector. And the ransomware has has a very sort of negative and impact on the, on the ability of an organization to operate. But now as the modus operandi of attackers are evolving, we are seeing double, triple, quadruple extortions. And what it means is not only the hospital or facilities being extorted, right? So the data is held for ransom, but the malicious actor then goes and, and addresses, contacts the victim itself for extortion. So they'll say, look, I breached the hospital. I know you have a substance abuse problem. I'm extorting the hospital already, but I want money from you, or I will leak the information about your health issues, you know, mental health challenges, all the very, very personal, dramatic, life-changing events on people's life. I will publicize it. And so this re-victimization of of victims is really sort of going up on the scale because the, the, the MO, the modus operandi of attackers are evolving. And so, you know, now it's becoming a deeply personal w- with this potential of, of long term consequences. Right. So if you have certain challenges, you know, it can, the data is made public. You know, first, you're being shocked that you get this email. I mean, the trauma and worrying of that is already horrendous. But then you think about it, OK, well, my all of my future employers will know about this issue. Imagine if a child's health records are leaked. They can be revictimized over and over again in the course of their life when it comes to job, education, you know, and you don't know how that this data that's been leaked is going to be used and reused against them. So it's really this first worrying trend is of development in ransomware operators that leads to revictimization. The second one is that, you know, now we see the ransomware operators operating in this sort of ransomware as service uh, model where a malicious actor can go and say, well, I want this and I want that exploit and I want this malware and I want this. And, you know, they, they, they build a puzzle of the attack. And so, this sort of picking and choosing from different actors, different threat groups, you know, nation state tools, you know, these blurring the lines. Sometimes the nation state actors use criminal tools uh, for ransomware operations. The criminal gangs are sort of sharing, sharing it. It really, really muddies the waters of attribution and accountability because once we sort of mixed it all up, it's so hard to know who did it Who should we go after? And it really, it really complicates the already sometimes complicated um, work on attribution. And, and for us at, at the work of the Institute, you know, being able to understand who has perpetrated an attack is absolutely key to to them bringing these people to it for their act. So this was sort of on a macro level. In the Cyber Incident Tracer, we've, we're capturing data over the course of one year. We've captured around 235 attacks across 33 countries. Our data has not been complete, and I will talk a bit about the data challenges, but you You know, during this time, we've observed the 235 cyber attacks in 33 countries. But what we've also observed is the impact they have had on organizations and individuals. So, for example, operational disruption to services lasted somewhere from an hour to four months. So four months of operational disruption to a healthcare facility to provide care in the midst of the pandemic. And in average, we looked at it and it's almost 20 days per incident. I mean, 20 days, I mean, I don't have to stress the point, the difference this can make in someone's life, death, health. Um, we've also seen that the numbers of records breached um, was around almost 3 million, which is about 200,000 records per incident. So per incident, you know, on average, this is the number of records. And again, these records are being taken sold dumped on dump sites for so many potential you know ways um, to re-victimize someone we've seen that in 57 percent of incidents you know the systems went offline and we've seen that 80 percent in 80 percent of accidents the data was either leaked or exposed so again the re-victimization the you know the the sale of of uh, private information and as you know the the data breaches has been really on the on the forefront of the news, at least for the past you know 10 years. But we've really moved from the area of the more financial, you know, right, data breaches to data breaches that now build this marketplace of, of personal data. That's obviously a very concerning trend. And I would say that uh, concerning trends we've seen is that disruptive attacks hit about 170 patient care services in 26 countries. So these are attacks that really led to serious disruption. And for example, we've seen that there had to be a diversion of ambulance in about 15% of accidents and the cancellation of appointments in about 20% of incidents. What is important to highlight here that this is just a fragment. This is just you know a snapshot of what we could actually observe. And the numbers are shocking. Even if this tells us just a part of the story, it is still a very serious story that requires attention.
1: Thank you for these insights and reflections. I mean, as you mentioned, just the extent of these attacks, I think it's it's difficult to grasp. If I understand correctly, the objectives of the Cyber Incidence Tracer really are to document better what the incidents are by connecting incidents and having kind of a systematic approach in collecting this information in order to inform and to influence policy and practice. Absolutely. You mentioned before also, we not don't only speak about the healthcare organizations uh, who are targeted, but now that there are also um, users or, or patients that are victims that are retargeted. Can they use the cyber incidence tracer um, for help or is is the target user population ready to inform policy and practice or can it also provide some information to victims?
0: Uh, I would say you know there's three groups that we we think that can benefit from from this work. So one is the policy making community. Having data and information is a very powerful tool in advocacy. so we're striving to use this information to advocate and raise awareness around the the extent of the issue. The other area is the other target audience um, are the sort of healthcare facilities and providers and you know we have we have pretty global data that show us the the incidents and you know we are fortunate enough to to live in a a country where where there is access to information there are resources for threat intelligence there are resources for educating this sector but unfortunately you know there are so many small healthcare facilities. There are small, so many small organizations. You know these family doctors in remote areas. You know they, for them, is so hard. You know to even start to think about a threat. And I think it is also to help. You know raise awareness of the threat within the medical sector, because unfortunately, there is still a lack of understanding. You know if if you speak to so many. Uh, CISO or CIOs from the hospitals, you know, they said, you know, it's it's a real challenge. You know, cybersecurity is seen a, as a cost center. You know, it's not seen as an enabler of the functions of the hospital. And so we, we still believe that there is this this um, mindset, you know, this is not going to happen to me. And oftentimes when something happens, that's when people realize that, okay, we need to act and think about cybersecurity, but it's too late. I mean. This is not sort of let's just wait and see, you know, this is people lives are at stake. So we're also hoping that this can help the medical sector um, to to help realize the threat, advocate for changes and really driving again, you know, changes within within their own um, own facilities. And lastly, you know, we are hoping that that the cyber incident tracer can be a tool of empowerment for individuals. As you know, uh, access to healthcare is a human right and governments do have an obligation to protect this fundamental right. And we feel that if if the data is available to say look you know there's been there are these cyber attacks, you know, look at look at what they can what they can do. You know, individuals feel a bit more empowered to go and figure out how they can advocate together with others, you know, whether it's an NGO community or or others, you know, they can advocate for change. Um because ultimately I feel that again when if you're an individual and you read the news what you read is that, you know, it costs 30 billion dollars to protect the healthcare over a year. Or, I mean, I don't know, it costs five million dollars to pay the ransom or, you know, we paid this year two million Swiss francs for cybersecurity in this sector. A hospital was attacked. It, looked three, it took three days to remediate. But where, are, where is the human story? The human story is not there right now, and so we think that if we can say, "Look, you know, these attacks are happening. Twenty percent of ambulances had to be diverted. If you have a heart attack and your ambulance has to be diverted, you know, every second counts. You don't have time to go to the next canton. You know, so we are hoping that individuals, with others and with with the NGOs, can take this data and advocate for the governments to make the right choices, make the right decisions, invest in the sector, conduct global diplomacy to you know, ensure that the attacks are, are not continuing. So th- these are the main, main three audiences. But as you know, you know the, the third one is the hardest to reach. And uh, we are working continuously to understand what actually empowerment of individuals means when it comes to cybersecurity.
1: Thank you. And maybe just because uh, our listeners, they they aren't able to see the cyber incident tracer. Could you maybe just uh, very briefly describe the functionalities um, of, of yeah. the cyber incident tracer?
0: Yeah, so the cyber incident tracer allows uh, the individuals to to access the data. So first of all, there is a story, you know, where we talk about w- what is the risk, you know, so th- there is there is a, a interactive story where we say, like, this is actually what this means and then we have a a a platform that shows you you know the the cyber attacks that are happening and you can really you can really see there you can really access data and look how many incidents we've tracked how many incidents per week in which country what kind of incident was this was this a disruptive attack or was this an unknown and we're really focusing on disruptive attacks here What kind of incident was this? Was this a ransomware or confirmed, unconfirmed? Which sort of subsector was attacked? Was it a manufacturing? Was it someone in a pharmaceutical company? Was it a patient care service? Which country, which region? And so it really gives you a very interesting data set to understand what's happening on the ground. For example, we've also looked at, um, which ransomware gangs are most responsible for these attacks you know it, it really allows the policymaker to say okay now I can see that you know we've we have a p- problem because this particular at- attacker is is um, focusing they're specializing in the healthcare sector so in our work we should as a government prioritize it because again access to healthcare is a human right and it's one of the critical ser- you know um, critical services the government can provide to individuals um, so the the platform we're hoping is is supposed to be interactive and easy to. There's lots of interesting graphics for those who who respond better to visuals, and then we also have a call to action. We are calling the government, the healthcare sector, the industry. You know to to do certain things so we provide a set of short recommendations and we're also encouraging the community to join us on this journey um we're calling for different contribution you know we're looking for organizations who can contribute you know the ongoing technical development the platform help us figure out and 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 improve the methodology can they support us financially do you want their share a story uh, about what happened to them it's it's one of the things we're working To develop the platform to show more the human stories. This is a baseline, a platform, a framework that we're bringing also to the community to engage more and we're really hoping that you know more organizations will join us on this journey.
1: Thank you. But how do you track these incidents? I mean, you mentioned before that you also you you go to the extent of uh, going into hacker forums and and trying to get information and data there. But did you put a specific methodology in place? Um, And maybe you could also uh, briefly um, describe what the current limitations are approaching.
0: Absolutely. We, we are very transparent and, and the platform has a whole section um, around the methodology and its and its limitations. So currently, you know, the, the data sources we've done, diff, you know, online scanning of different cyber, you know, digest and different uh, sort of uh, groups that that focus on this uh, on this kind of data. There is lots of cybersecurity and news and blogs that actually do cover uh, they do. They do talk about these attacks, but again, they talk about them. You know, one by one. There's no comprehensive understanding division. The there's a lot of, um, a lot of sort of more health related open source blogs and information. There's data breaches. Net. There's. You know the hipaa journal the health it security the it governments our governance journal so there's quite a lot of those organizations that are focusing on bringing the, the the news and and reports of these attacks but again it's not put together it's not analyzed it's not looked at in a in a in a continuum and not being analyzed couple of Government, notably the U.S. government, has uh, notices to the Secretary um, of the Healthcare uh, on data breaches. So there is there is that reporting that is very important for us, because those are the official um, reports that we are using. And you know, and then we are looking at the dump sites. We are monitoring the the dump sites, uh, unfortunately, um, for this data because oftentimes the information is there. I would say the the other thing is uh, just to sort of resume or recap, you know, we are using the publicly available sources. We are cross-referencing them uh, several times to ensure accuracy. Um, you know, we, we list the attacks and the incidents and the impact. And um, we also ensure that we talk about what is a primary source, a secondary source. Um, and then we have uh, definitions to explain how we classified a certain attack or incident. Uh, you know, the other source of data, and we're hoping that it will be increasingly so, are in some of the nascent relationships and partnerships we have with the industry. Um, you know, the industry for from the way they protect their own customers has a very rich uh, data set. And so we are hoping that there is data that they can contribute as part of their willingness to support you know, the ecosystem. And, and we really commend those who who are exploring these collaboration with us because this is really important for us. There is data. Let's think about how we can congregate it, bring it together and, and bring out those trends to the attention of policymakers.
1: Thank you for the insight into the methodology and, and how you're gathering the data. Um, from the data you have collected so far, what are the main types of attacks you have been able to identify? And can you explain um,
0: why those attacks are the most prominent? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's, there's two kinds of attacks really that, that are prevalent in the healthcare sector. It's either the disruptive attacks or data breaches. Uh, we have we have focused less on data breaches um, because while they are important, I talked about the revictimization uh, potential of a data breach. Um, they are we really look. We want to focus on what what's causing the disruption to the ability of the sector to provide care. Within these disruptive attacks, we're focusing on ransomware and other uh, malware attacks that have the uh, potential to disrupt operations, and we're also uh, focusing on DDoS attacks, the denials of service attacks. The, you know, the why is a very interesting question. You know, there there's so many theories and 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 work around the motivational of the attackers. But I think there's a couple of things. Unfortunately, the attacks on the healthcare are relatively easy. You know, the pace of digitization is much faster than the pace of of securing um, the sector. So there's so many open doors and windows and back doors that that it's a relatively easy to go after the sector from sort of the the security infrastructure perspective and i would say the you know the other is that if you disrupt the ability of a hospital to operate you know the incentives to when i talk about ransomware the incentives to pay are absolutely just disproportionate and and huge so you know, I think, that unfortunately, the attackers have no morals, as we know, they, we saw it with ICR, you know, so they go after what is easy, and they go after where you have the incentive to pay. And I I, I really forgot who, who shared this really interesting thought with me, and I wish I could attribute it to the person, and I apologize, um, but it, it really struck with me. I talked to someone about ransomware the other day, and, and, and this gentleman said, you know, the ransomware is all about what data or or the target means to you and not to the attacker so attacker doesn't go where they're they don't necessarily going to go for a bank because or or something where the data or information doesn't have a value to you they will go even if you are a less resourced organization, they will go after you because the data has a huge value to you and to your operations. And so that is that really holds true, you know, for the healthcare sector. If you go and attack a small healthcare provider in a region somewhere where it's the only provider... The motivation, if, if it's the only organization that can provide care, um, that can write prescription, that can that can uh, you know do X rays, of course they will pay. I mean, the, because there is no alternative to get those people the critical care. So so it's really this. The, this is, I think, why we're seeing the the ransomware attacks because they're so pernicious. You know, they go and and they are relatively easy to. Um, they are relatively easy to um, orchestrate.
1: Thank you. Um, I was also wondering if you're seeing geographical disparities, um, if you were able to identify through your platform, I mean, are we better protected, uh, in high income settings than in low income settings, for example, or is the incentive to attack in, in high income settings also higher? So I was just wondering if you can, uh, see, uh, disparities in, in geography.
0: Absolutely. I mean I, I will have to start my, my reply to, to you with a caveat, which is because the data is not available and because how we collected it and what kind of data, there is a certain limitation to making a conclusion about this. The reason is because in the United States there's much, you know you have there is quite a lot of sort of regulation now around some of the patient data protection, especially from, from the privacy perspective. But the coverage and the reporting of these attacks is much more frequent often than in any other part of the world. It doesn't mean that the attacks don't happen. Is that because the research community, the legislation, the regulation, um, think about all the structures they have in in the United States, you know, the health ISEC, um, the information sharing and analysis organization. So there's this whole ecosystem That is there to support um, the data sharing. You know, the journalists investigate more; they ask more questions. You know, so we've seen most attacks coming from the United States, but it's only because of the coverage and the data we could access. It does not mean they are not happening anywhere else in the world. It is because the data availability has been there. So, I mean, we've seen some from Asia. I mean, we. At, at Platform, you know, we see a, a a pretty significant, you know, portion about, you know, um, a fourth of attacks were in Europe and, and more in Western Europe than in Southern Europe, you know, more in France than in Germany. But again, the, the reader and the listener and the consumer of this data has to keep in mind what was the data set we had um to our disposal. And so, you know, th- that's where really the, the data challenge is the biggest challenge. And that's why the Institute is advocating um, around, you know, the need to work on those policies and and, and regulations and, and legislations that, ha- that require reporting, because otherwise, we will never understand the threat, we'll never write the right policies. And um, we will not be able to, you know, get our way out of this issue.
1: Speaking about policy and regulation and legislation, I would also like to make another link. I mean, before you mentioned that you were partnering with the private sector, Mm -hmm. but are you also conducting activities with the government? For example, do you work with them to use your platform towards the improvement of legislation? Um, For instance, countries that are most affected or do you have any other concrete activities with government?
0: Absolutely. So I'll, I'll highlight one one quick one, uh, and then uh, in depth, and then and mention the the rest. So you know, the the outreach and advocacy with our work and data is key to to our work, and and uh, you know, the raising of the of awareness is a constant um, effort, battle, and a struggle, as we all know. It's 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 the those who make decisions have so many pressing issues. Um, on their plates. So first of all I'll mention, you know, we run a project with the government of Czech Republic, with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and their National Cybersecurity Center, um, and with Microsoft on protecting the healthcare um against cyber harm. And this is a year-long project where we do very focused uh, workshops um, on different aspects of protecting the healthcare sector. And so we're using this data, uh, you know, during these convenings because we have so many government representatives. I mean, on the, on the last workshop, we had representatives from seven countries um, at the table. And so, you know, we, we talk about the data, we share them. We also do bilateral uh, outreach to different governments, especially those that are focusing uh, on the healthcare sector. And we're also doing outreach and informing um, of different multilateral processes. For example, um, the ongoing open-ended working group, um, where you know, in our submissions, in our discussion papers, in our proposals, in our outreach, we we use the data you know to to really support the point that healthcare needs protections that we need to hold more perpetrators accountable that we need to understand the impact of the of of the the attacks. That we need to, to invest more. We need to do more capacity building. We need to do more partnerships. So yes, indeed, the the relationships are at a different level with different governments. But there is there is an outreach on bilateral level. There is you know outreach. You um, to diplomatic community here here in Geneva, and there is informing these these multilateral uh, fora.
1: Thank you. So um, with the
0: Cyber Incidents
1: Tracer, you really have achieved uh, putting out a, a tool to, to the community or the ecosystem that uh, allows to understand better um, d- these attacks. But um, do you have any other strategic goals for the, the next uh, two, let's say two years for the Cyber Incidents Tracer? Like what, what are
0: the next steps? Oh, absolutely. Yes, so so currently we are in a phase where we are looking, um, you know, for more partnerships, how we can extend the data, how we can think about the platform sort of growing and scaling via partnerships. So it's really we want to continue, you know, we want to continue uh, looking at data, analyzing it and really uh, advocating and working with with these groups uh, sort of globally. I would say the other important effort connected to the cyber incident tracer and very crucial to the work of the institute is we're working actually on methodology uh, for harm. We're we're looking at really the social impact and the societal impact of cyber attacks through the lens of being able to quantify the harm. Um, so this is a, a huge endeavor we're undertaking, and, and not an easy one. Uh, but we're really, we're really working on the methodology with a couple of partners, and then we're also going to be reaching out to partners who would like to test it with us, and h- how do we think and, 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 um, and improve the, the methodology and the data collection. So really in the near future, I would say it is a lot of improvement on data, partnership collections, continued outreach and working on this uh, methodology for harm. And I would say, you know, in in the next year or so, it is to continue inform the UN processes. And then we also want to have some time for reflection and, and understand, you know, where the needs are, especially on that empowerment front.
1: Thank you. Looking forward to uh, following uh, the process and, and learning more about uh, the developments in the future. Maybe we will just uh, end with some take-home messages. I mean, do you have any key messages for our listeners or maybe recommendations to support the work
0: uh, initiated to fight the cyber attacks and health? Absolutely. I think that you know the, the, the takeaway message is that You know, it is an unfortunate reality that the sector is being attacked and we can only change this through action. And, you know, I I really appeal to to those who, who are working on the protection of the sector, you know, not only to focus on protecting one organization, but really thinking about how we can protect this ecosystem in perpetuity. You know think about where you can contribute data analysis how you know the private sector has to find ways to inform the diplomatic and political and policy communities you know we have to have tools to have the information and so really the 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 takeaway you know it should be really that that we need to come together to figure out what are practical ways to, to impact this we're hoping that the listeners will be encouraged and, and inspired to engage with the cyber peace Institute to support this mission but we also encourage individuals to, to think about you know asking for what is being owed to them you know there is a responsibility on a set of actors um to provide a care without disruption not to be harmed by technology or, or not you know having the access to healthcare which is which is a human right so we're also appealing on individuals to think about you know what they can do in 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 asking for go- you know government to protect the sector so I, I think these would be yeah these would be key uh, key takeaways
1: Thank you, Clara. And we thank you for this insightful and for me also educational discussion. I learned a lot. Um, Thank you for taking the time to discuss this very important and timely topic with us. And also thank you for the listeners
0: to, to following. Thank you for the invitation. I look forward to the continuing engagements and future opportunities to discuss our work.